I'm Adam. And I'm Rob Seasons. Greetings to you. Oh, no. On this wonderful festive time of the year. It's finally happened. I can't it deny it anymore. The time of Christmas. <coughs> yes. It's <coughs> arrived. Uh, we've survived the fog, the London Victorian fog, and we are now in Christmassy Christmas land. Yes, still a couple of weeks to go for the big day itself. Yeah, yeah. Presents will be raining from the sky, even for us. Yeah, even for us. There'll be booze drunk, there'll be uh, mince pies gobbled. Um, but yeah, that's in a bit. And now we're here. Yes, lots of stuff this week. We've got a big old whammo of an episode. And it's not our fault either. We haven't built this up. No. Suddenly... The world exploded with news in the last two weeks. Yeah, it's it's been like the biggest, uh, including like Oscar season, including everything. It's for it's the biggest announcement plunge of the entire year. Well, Oscar season, there's always a sense of yeah, right. Yeah. Let's get through it. This is, the, I mean, one thing we'll discuss later is uh, literally a game changer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, one of the. It's the biggest thing to happen in the world of film for decades. It certainly will open the door to the final chapter. Yeah, if, if things don't get sorted. Yeah, um, which is a frightening thought, but you know. But yes, we'll talk about that a bit later. But, uh, mm, Robert. Yes. Is there anything you've been watching or doing lately? Yes, I watched Lord of the Rings. 4K, extended edition, all three movies, all in one day. Oh my god. All in one day. Um, I just snacks of choice with Doritos, dip. Now, come on now. Fizziness. Um, then I, there was a Chinese. I bought you a Lord of the Rings Middle Earth book. Yeah, full of recipes that made no sense. Uh, yeah, really bad book, but I love it. That's where the charm comes from. And you, this was your one time yeah. to say, look, everyone, I've made a, a prawn cocktail of the Shire spread. It's like 12 hours of footage. I don't have time to bake a really loosely... I mean, lemon spread was probably the only realistic thing in it. Yeah. It was even called that. It was probably called lamb new spread. <laughs> um, sad, sad lambs. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, so Lord of the Rings 4K. There's a lot of people online at the moment moaning about it. They're saying that with the 4K, they've taken away a lot of the gritty essence, some of the more yellowy sort of, um, you know, you might think of the feels of Pelennor and how uh, it had a kind of stark look to it, which um, things like that they feel is lost. I I didn't notice that at all. Um, I uh, when it started, obviously you start with the Fellowship. You start with um, like one of the strongest parts of the trilogy is the start of the Fellowship, um, especially when you get to the Shire. And not before long, you notice things that maybe you're you would have picked up before, but you wouldn't have appreciated the detail of the books, especially when you go into Bag Ends, pots and. Um, little bits of crockery and like just Bilbo's desk, things like that. It looks so beautiful, and you can kind of really gain a true appreciation for how much effort, um, obviously, the the production team put into it. It's amazing. Um, Did you notice any uh, mistakes? Any water bottles? Any watches? <laughs> Nothing. Okay. No. Okay. That's um, impressive. Except for one thing. Okay. Um, 
which I actually I, I tell a lie I didn't notice but I, I read up on it afterwards and people are pointing out a scene where in Moria whilst um, the Fellowship are running away from the Balrog there's a bit where Legolas and one of the Hobbits I think Pippin is running up a set of stairs and you can clearly see it's a strange looking man in a wig <laughs> and a little boy um, <laughs> I think you can I think you can sort of see that in the original yeah but yeah obviously 4k does not help I was worried that um, such would be the improvement of the um, the visuals that it would kind of show up any poor quality CGI more it didn't basically what you'll see is the good CGI stays good the bad CGI stays bad Legolas hopping off of the cave troll still looks like a PS2 graphic right and I was going to say had they redone because Lord of the Rings generally is... I mean, it's way ahead of its time, for one, but yeah. generally it's really good. Apart from... I remember the the opening battle, it looks a little bit cheesy. Yeah. There's some movements, like like Legolas jumping off. I can't remember what the other one was. There's one that's really bad. There's uh, a Legolas off the elephant in Return of the King. Yeah, that's... Well, that, they pull that off better than the cave troll. But well, it's, that it's not a couple ideal. of years of development. But, it, yeah, I remember there being something in the cinema going... Yeah, um, well, I w- if you watch the extended edition as well, people probably know this from before. But there's a couple of scenes, like in The Hobbit, you feel you feel it's filler, and you know why it's left on the cutting room floor. Mm. There's bits where you 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 meet Gaffer, who's in the Lord of the Rings book and stuff, and there's some additional footage of Sam talking to other hobbits who you don't ever meet in the. the well, mo- most of Two Towers is filler yeah but uh, yeah but like there's especially in Fellowship I want to start a Fellowship there's stuff like okay like I love the extended editions and I think some of the uh, deleted scenes are incredible but then yeah. some of them are like eh, yeah I can see why you left that um, I will give one piece of advice I watched the extended edition all in one day because it was on my bucket list and I needed to do it however I would advise if you want to appreciate each individual film for what 4k brings to it don't watch it all at once because after a while it kind of your brain accepts what you're seeing. When during the first film, there were bits where me and the people I was watching it with were like, "Oh my god, that looks so much! That looks incredible!" But because I'm because your brain's accepted it, you're kind of just like, "Ah, yes, yeah, Lord of the Rings. I'm watching Lord of the Rings." Yeah, I guess. Yeah, um, it lacks the oomph. Yeah, but um, as speaking as a Lord of the Rings fan and to any other Lord of the Rings fans, well worth it. Buy it. Um, treat yourself to watching them all again. This this seasonal seasonal season. Would you say it'd be a good thing to do on Christmas Day with your family? Yeah, yeah. Queen's Speech, meh. EastEnders, meh. Doctor Who, meh. Lord of the Rings, yeah. I don't even think there is a Doctor Who this Christmas. New Year's Day, I think there's one. Oh, yeah, okay, whatever else. What else? There's BBC Christmas, I've, I've seen it. The first year we get a bloody TV licence. It's rubbish. It's always rubbish, mate. It's always, it's is it always rubbish? I don't remember it, it always it being It hasn't bad. been good for several years. I don't think <sighs> Yeah, everything, everything's... Well, TV's really bad on Christmas now. Streaming. Oh, I guess so. What a shame. Well. What about you? Um, have, have you watched anything or have you played anything? I've been playing Cyberpunk. Oh. Cyberpunk 2077. I've been waiting since 2013. I uh, got a knock on... Well, I felt the buzzer going and you didn't notice. And then, because you're on the phone to someone, I think, at work... Because we both work from home in the same in, in our flat, yeah. And I came up with the with the package, and you made noises I've never heard you make before. <laughs> when I told you, I had it. I was like, Adam, guess what I've got behind my back? And you're like this a, a cross between a puppy and a demon. I don't know. <laughs> I've 
honestly, I can't understate how long I've been waiting for this game. Uh, the worrying thing is, people were playing it... So I ordered it. I pre-ordered it on Amazon. So it was going to arrive on release day at some point. Mm. But people were playing it already because it was released online, digitally. And there was some worrying things. No, really? Because it's such a big game that it probably should be for the next generation consoles. PlayStation 5, Xbox uh, uh, X Series It's on two 15. discs, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of them are, though, to be fair. Oh, Red, they really? Red okay, well. Because um, you don't you install it with one and play it with the other. Ah, okay. Uh, so there was a lot of stuff where it being played on the older PlayStation Four and stuff. It wasn't looking very good. Right. People were saying it looked like PS One graphics. Wow. People were complaining about frame rates and oh, oh, the f- graphics aren't very good, and there's droppage in frames and all this stuff that I don't really understand or really care about. Played it. It's fine. Mm. It's fine. It's got a bad habit of crashing every two hours, uh, which I've never known the PlayStation to do before. But you think that, for you, that might be a good thing. I think all games should switch off after two hours. Right, no, I I think you might be right. Because it goes, Hi, are you free? Do you have something to do? Are you busy? Should you be doing something really important right now? Oh, God, yes. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, my body needs to sleep. Well, th- my I need to sleep. Oh, my child needs picking up from school <laughs> four hours ago. Yeah, I... It's, um... I don't... You can't really talk about it too much because it is in-depth. How, how does the general, like, kind of... Fluid, it's like, is it a fluid game? Is it like, does it gel well with your kind of playing it? I want to live there. You want to live there. It's set in Night City, um, which you don't need to know Cyberpunk to know the world. Mm. Um, it's, we've seen it all before. Judge Dread, Blade Runner, B1, um, that kind of sprawling mega skyscrapers and big neon adverts. I mean, Minority Report as Time well. Fifth Element. Um, there are loads of references, loys of Easter eggs. I might barely, I barely scratched the surface. But you were in the room while I was playing first time round, and I noticed three shells in the toilet. Yeah. That didn't need to be referenced. That's a reference to Demolition Man. That's genius. She had really weird pick, and yet, like, done with love. And uh, at crossings in the city, he goes walk. Walk, walk, don't walk, don't walk, don't walk. Which is Blade Runner. That's pretty cool. It's a background thing that no one would ever know about. That's good. Well, that's good. So it's a lot, a lot of love for sort of for like pop culture has gone into this game. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, it's quite naughty. Yeah, I can tell. It's very naughty. Yeah, we were. I was watching you play last night, and there was a bit where your character found a sort of dead but not dead uh, corpse in a in a ice bath and she had her boobs out and she had nipples mm. and you can choose your genitalia and just trust them a creation what pointless what there's no need for that as far as i can tell no, that's no. why it crashes because you've got ball physics in this world i can be well hung i think is the the, the attitude of many but what's wrong many with men what's wrong with the old action man smooth as smooth as you like yeah made in china and a little bump yeah. 
Yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe it comes in later. Maybe it's an important plot point. Who knows? Maybe your genitalia um, have different advantages. Maybe you can deflect um, uh, bullets with larger gen- metal genitalia. Like a um, helicopter blade. It spins around and deflects yes, lasers and things. smaller genitalia... By genitalia, we do mean penis. Um, can help you unlock doors. <laughs> and uh, more... more storage space if you're playing a female character yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh god right okay what else have we got on the show okay uh, Fortnite Schmortnite um, we're going to be paying tribute to two legends who have um, left this planet and gone on to, to uh, the other other side um, we're going to be talking about um, some great movie news and some freaking terrible movie news and we're going to be reviewing um, what I would say now is a Christmas classic um, an alternative Christmas classic. Um, it's, it's definitely one of the cla- uh, a Christmas film that survived, uh, I don't know, generations of being forgotten. And that is uh, 2003's Bad Santa. Mmm, a film I hadn't seen before. Uh, made, yeah, made a nice change. Cool. Okay, well, let's get straight into my first review. Nice. Festive Film Review, The Christmas Chronicles 2, 2020. You're on hallowed ground here. We're about to witness something that no one else on Earth has ever seen before. Let's see if they can handle this! Guess this is your lucky day, you cat. Welcome to the North Pole. Santa! (laughs) Kate Pierce. How did you get here? You and Jack are supposed to be on vacation with your family. Our shuttle fell into this wormhole. Have a nice trip. Aren't you Mrs. Claus? Uh-huh. Ah! What is that thing? Use an F. You're in Santa's village. The real one. Wow, this is incredible. We have over 300,000 shops in the village. Whoa. Everyone designed by Mrs. Claus. <laughs> She designed this place. I think it should be called Mrs. Claus's Village. Me too. Well, I never thought of that. Of course he didn't. Directed and co-written by legendary Christmas filmmaker Chris Columbus, The Christmas Chronicles 2 is the sequel to the 2018 surprise festive hit, starring Kurt Russell as the sarcastic and all-round hunk of a man in the role of Santa Claus. Returning from her role in the first film, we meet Kate Pierce, played by Darby Camp. A self-titled true believer of Christmas, Kate's faith is fully tested as we find her spending her festive holiday in Cancun. Very unhappy with her lot, Kate bemoans the fact she's not wrapped up in jumpers beside an open fire, specifically wishing she was making cookies instead of sipping on milkshakes on a beach in glorious sunshine. Boo. Bloody. Who. What's more, following the death of her father, Kate is very unhappy to see her mother Claire, played by Kimberly Williams Paisley, has seemingly moved on from her late husband. She's now dating Bob, played by Tyrese Gibson, with Bob's irritatingly verbose son Jack hanging on. 
played by uh, Jazir Bruno. Kate is at her wit's end and isn't getting any support from Teddy, played by Judda Lewis, who's way more interested in getting to know some of the resort's more attractive sights. So, in full 19 sitcom style, Kate decides the only thing she can do now is run away. But in her efforts to get out of Mexico, Kate runs into a surprisingly affable man who, while driving her away from the resort, tosses the children into a portal, zipping them out to the other side of the world, tumbling into the snowy wilderness of the North Pole. See, there's something else going on here. The man, played by a surprisingly grown-up Julian Dennison, is in fact Belschnickel, a rebellious elf formerly in the employ of Santa Claus, with one major chip on his shoulder. With his Yule Cat Jola and his elf henchman at his side, Belschnickel has one thing on his mind, the destruction of Santa Claus's operation and the start of his own empire of toys to be made in the South Pole. Not if Santa has anything to do with it. After finding and saving Jack and Kate, Santa Claus, played once again by Kurt Russell, and his wife Mrs Claus, played by Goldie Horn, the two are pleased to save the kids but are alarmed to find Belschnickel again, and in no time at all are trying their best to save Christmas and learn some lessons along the way too. I admit, I didn't re-watch the first film again prior to seeing the sequel, but I do remember the vague impressions I had of it, particularly that the Christmas Chronicle felt grown up. It felt like it was saying something significant about loss, about grief and finding joy regardless. It had a ring of truth to it without compromising the, the Christmas message for the kids watching at home. On the flip side, the Christmas Chronicle 2 felt stripped of any nuance. It feels in many ways like a pastiche of everything you may have seen before. On Kate and Jack's arrival into Santa's village, we see the curiously furry little elves going about their day, having a wonderful time as they slave and toil to deliver the gifts and treats for Christmas Day. In fact, the whole setup left me feeling a bit uncomfortable. Here we see Mr and Mrs Claus, Imperial Lord and Lady, as they stroll through their corporate empire approving any elves who do their work well and scorning anyone who acts selfishly or, you know, out of line. In fact, the whole story revolves around one elf who saw the truth, that the elves worked and toiled to the benefit of their self-appointed emperor without an of credit to their names. Belchnickel saw the truth, my brothers, and his actions shook the chains of Santa's capitalist oppression eventually seeing him cast out of the village. And while we're at it, let's take a moment to look at Kate's complaint. Her father died, her mother eventually moved on with possibly the nicest guy in the world, and all she can do is bitch and moan. Sure, I may not appreciate it, but the thought of kicking up a fuss about being on an all-expenses-paid holiday is the definition of entitled. Sure, she helped save the day, but first world problems like that just don't make me like a character that much. If it wasn't for Kurt Russell's overwhelming charisma on screen and a smattering of good jokes, including a stellar musical moment, this film wouldn't be worth the watch. Sadly, The Christmas Chronicles 2, it just felt hollow to me, like a string of cliches and pretty unpleasant characters. Although I did greatly appreciate the homage to Gremlins and will never tire 
of Russell's beard. If you're just in the mood for mulchy Christmas feelings and, and love the first film, go ahead and track it down on Netflix. But if it was a choice of one or the other, watch the first film. Uh, watch it twice. Sometimes I think you actually enjoy these little dangerous escapades. I, I, well, I, I... Yeah. Welcome to Fortnite Schmortnight. And uh, before we get on with the news, we've got to send our love to two undeniable legends of the screen before we get into the other stuff. Uh, first of all, uh, David Prowse. Um, uh, David Prowse passed away aged 85 after a short illness. Um, but we're not going to dwell on the sadness here. We're instead just going to bow down to the man who I'd say... I mean, we've talked about this before. I remember having a conversation with you before, Adam, where you asked me who you think the most iconic, baddest villain is of all time or mm. the kind of most sort of notorious bad guy and um, you know you can go into your nurse ratchets and your Norman Bates and your so forth but it's got to be Darth Vader yeah I mean he was, he's was he been diluted with time sadly yeah. he's become less of a threat but that opening moment with the towering lumbering black suited samurai bad guy strolling onto the ship Surrounded by stormtroopers, that is still one of the most iconic moments, surely. Oh yeah. Also, David Prowse, his uh, presence in Clockwork Orange always stands out to me. Oh yeah, of course. I completely forgot about that. Just a looming figure mm. with his little short shorts. <laughs> uh, David Prowse. I mean, there's a very good documentary called Elstree '77 uh, or '76 that talks about kind of the behind the scenes and the extras who are in the original Star Wars and David Prowse has a quite notable chunk in it and it's quite a sad story and I do feel very bad for David Prowse for someone who is who delivered one of the most iconic moments in cinema who was there the whole time yeah he was front and centre but just behind a big black costume where you couldn't see any of him he felt betrayed he felt really betrayed by George Lucas, and I, it's hard. It's kind of tricky to understand where he came from. But he just lived in the shadow, and he spent most of his time going to conventions, and it's just a sad story. I mean, I, I get it. I mean, like for him, his I mean, his greatest achievement and the thing that he will be go down in history for. I mean, not getting a chance to reprise that role one more time. Maybe I mean, I'd be bitter as well, but. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But yes, a true loss. He was a, a supposedly a very nice man, so. Yeah, um yeah, um a, a legend of the of the of sci-fi and a legend of Star Wars. Yeah. Rest in peace. Um and of course, um next, uh, known to all she worked with as Babs, the peerless Barbara Windsor. Um I used to watch EastEnders quite religiously and um throughout various Peggy eras. Um, obviously, the Carry On films go without saying, but um, she's got to be, like, the biggest soap icon, I mean, in this country. And, I mean, she was just great. I mean, I, I remember... I don't know if you ever watched EastEnders, but they're just moments. There was a moment where she had to slap Pat Butcher, and I can't remember the name of the actress who played Pat Butcher, but they, they agreed that she was going to slap I him. remember that. I used to watch it semi-religiously. And, I watched it in the Little Mo era. Oh, the Trevor. I love, yeah. I love you more. Yeah, and I think um, Pat had been going off and shagging Frank or something. And uh, Peggy slapped Pat so hard 
Well, Barbara Windsor slapped the actress with the play pad so hard that her earring just flew off the side. And you see it. She <laughs> she hits her as hard as she possibly could. Yeah. Acting, darling. <laughs> it's, that's not acting. That's physical assault. <laughs> Violence. <laughs> fantastic. Um, yeah, like, I'm genuinely, like... Um, well, Matt Lucas said... of an era. Matt Lucas tweeted that it was uh, no exaggeration that Nation was in mourning. Yeah. And, yeah, I think that's true. I think she was... A well-loved person. And also in, in the real world, uh, before she kind of stepped out of the public eye, she was a, a big ambassador for dementia care and would meet with prime ministers and things. So, yeah, she was uh, well, she was a dame through and through. Yeah. I love her. Like, you, you hear about her history. She used to, like, hang out with the Cray twins and stuff. And was, oh, like, yeah. A big part of that East End sort of, so, like, social culture. I um, remember having a chat with, um, I worked in a pub or two in my time, and I can't remember where, but I remember having a chat with one manager I had, and he said to me, you always look forward to, when you become a manager for the first time of a pub, or an owner, or a landlord, or whatever, you look forward to the first time you can say, get out of my pub, or get out of my pub, <laughs> just because of how iconic that line is. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like, rest in peace, Barbara Windsor. Um, yeah, big, big loss, but um, yeah. Um, next on to the other stuff and we thought I'd re- this is kind of old news to everyone now but I, I thought I'd touch on it uh, just so we could talk about it a bit so the next Tom Holland's Spider-Man movie report- reportedly has six returning actors from the previous franchise now um, who we got we got uh, Tobey Maguire apparently reportedly um, which is the one I wanted back the most um, I'm sure it's the same with a lot of people from our generation. Uh, Andrew Garfield, Kirsten Dunst, Emma Stone, Jamie Foxx, and Alfred Monler, which is going to be, I don't know, is it Monilla or Monilla? I don't know. Uh, I've never seen anyone say his name. No, I've never seen anyone say his name either. Yeah, um, however you, however the hell you say it. But um, <laughs> just think of this. Doc Octopus, for those who don't Doc, know. Doc Ock. Yes. Um, this is kind of becoming like Avengers level big in terms of what they're trying to achieve because they can go down two paths as far as I can see at the moment. It can either go down the Spider-Man free route which was really sort of convoluted and congested. That's my worry. Too much going on. Too much going on. Too many people. Yeah. How, how do you fit it all into one movie? Or the Avengers route but the Avengers route came as a result of 20 odd films yeah. kind of stitching it all together. So... My worry... Uh, do you know what? I think it's a real shame that we know about this. You're right. Because Into the Spider-Verse, the best Spider-Man story ever made, as far as I'm concerned, um, you, I wasn't prepared for any of that. No. And if they suddenly made Spider-Man, this spider the current MCU Spider-Man, just explode with all these new people, imagine the thrill of sitting there and Tobey Maguire just rocks Mate, up. Uh, you you grab the person next to you, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah! If you're in a cinema and you had, you had no idea, this is the problem with spoiler culture and having to sell stuff early on. You need to sell exactly who's going to be in it. And is so Bruce forth. Campbell going to be in it? If they keep that, just keep that silent if he's going to, if Bruce Campbell comes back. <laughs> oh my God. Like, he has to. But we won't get into that. But yeah. Like, Yeah. It would be yeah. They need to like that's, that's a problem with modern culture. Like people can't keep their traps shut. It's a, it's a, it's a problem inherent in the comics industry, specifically American comics. Mm. It'd always be oh, in two years' time, Thor's going to yes. be a woman. You go what? What? Why did you tell me that? Yeah. Well, my my I my, I had a. So it's the same with soaps. Is it a thing with uh, long narratives? You just have to 
keep people interested long enough. Mm. The soap operas, you know, they post all spoilers on... I, I this had, week we find out who murdered Jacqueline. Yeah, they put it in bloody Hello magazine and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I had a friend in uh, a friend of a friend in uni. Well, good chum, and um, he was a comic book nerd through and through. What he didn't know about comics, especially Marvel, wasn't worth knowing. And he would be reeling off stuff. Rob, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. Um, and in the next film, they're bringing this character in, and, and then he was going through the internet and showing me who, who all these characters were who I hadn't heard of. And I was like, why? Why do we know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't like it. But uh, I don't know. Is it, I'm not part of that world, so maybe, maybe you know, that's that's, that's good for them. Um, I need to talk about this trailer. I know it's not news per se. It's a trailer. It's 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 nobody with um, Bob Odenkirk. Yes, 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 My yes. My lord, what a film! So you know Bob Odenkirk from from Weird Weird Science first and foremost. Yeah, you? he's just a he's just a comic comedy genius man, isn't he? Yeah, it's a Saturday night, school of Saturday Night Live. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was first introduced to him in Breaking Bad. Um, he's a ridiculously talented actor, a very funny man. But I never expected him to be in a film like this. He's essentially a John Wick role. Yes, it's um, and it's the best kind of John Wick role. I've, I've always had complaints about John Wick. While it's fun, I don't feel any reason to follow him because I know he's a superhero. Yeah. He's an immortal superhero. He's had the same murder technique. This, on the other hand, takes a average suburban dad and puts him in a John Wick role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's awesome. I like that. It's very cool. It's like he uh, he kind of loses his kind of mojo when he like sort of doesn't attack a burglar who invades his home and it breaks down his family. And then... He there's a time on a bus he sees a girl being attacked and he just snaps and goes on a rampage and then there's gangs after him and he knows gun tricks and he beats the living daylights out of people. Yeah. Yes. Is it falling down for the 21st century? Yeah, it's falling down, but I don't think we have to question his integrity and his morals as much as you're meant to question okay. falling down. Because falling down... My worry is that crazy Americans will use this in its, as a, a, a calling card for assaulting people on buses. True, true. They want to be... Uh, they they want to protect their family, goddammit. Protect my family because I'm an American. Oh, i got so many amendments, I'm going to force them down your throat <laughs> and murder you. God, keep it in your pants, America. Goddamn. But, but apart from that, yes, it looks it looks wonderful. Yeah, it looks uh, absolutely incredible. Um, I can't wait for that film. And at the end of the trailer, take note, everyone else. It said only in theaters. We might be seeing a bit less of that going forward, but yeah, I was happy to see that. <laughs> um, okay, Indiana Jones is uh, five. Is now officially confirmed to be in pre-production. Uh. Uh, we've just had the Disney Investor Day, which kind of makes my skin crawl. Um, <laughs> uh, which um, and, and there's a load of stuff come out. We're going to talk about it in a second. Um, but uh, yeah, Indiana Jones. Uh, James Mangold is officially confirmed to direct it. He did Logan, um, so he's well versed in the art of um, making movies about um, aged, weakening people who used to be totally badass. Only in Logan, Wolverine was kind of still pretty good at killing people. Indiana Jones, I mean, how old is Harrison Ford now? Uh, good question, that's funny. He must be 78. 78. Okay, so he's getting on a bit. Um, 
So we, we were saying earlier, the best kind of technique to make this film is as he can't really swing on a whip anymore, maybe, um, just put him on things that move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. we want lots of car chases. Car uh, chases, maybe put him on a rhino. Um, I don't know, any, any f- sort of thing where he can just sit down and hold a gun would be good. Yeah. Well, ideally, I mean, this is what they probably should have done for Kingdom, Kingdom Skull. They sh- he needs to be the Sean Connery yes. role. He needs to be the guy with the, the walking stick and the wise cracks in the background while the other person does the yeah. busy work. He needs to have a brolly and a briefcase. Because when, when was the last one set? It was in the 50s, and that was like 10 years ago. So is this now going to be in the 60s? It'd have to be, wouldn't it? So what's what's what was the? I mean, that's still uh, Cold War, really, isn't it? Um, Vietnam. Well, that's the well, that's the well, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Maybe he has to go behind enemy lines in Vietnam oh, and God. find uh, find some sort of ancient uh, Vietnamese myth. Well, that's the thing. So we've done God. We've done God two times. We've done tribal mysticism once. Yep. Uh, and we've done aliens. Yep. What's left? Are we going to have to start going to conspiracy theories? Hollow Earth? Mermaids. <laughs> the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean 4 route. Mermaids. Um, yeah, I, God knows. Conspiracy theories, we could Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, yeah, he could be riding into the Bermuda Triangle. They should do that thing where he finds the Manelian Vulcan. <laughs> We're home. <laughs> well, what about... Uh... I mean, Atlantis has been done in games and stuff, but that'd be cool. That would be cool. Yeah. And then he can go underwater. He doesn't have to fly around and jump around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I like that. Yeah, he can just have a big, big scuba suit. Yeah. <laughs> 60s. The moon. Of course. Oh, my God. He's going to the moon. He's going to the moon. There we go. So there's going to be some big space thing. Okay. So, because there's a spaceship crashed on the dark side of the moon, and it's got and it's Optimus Prime, it's Sentinel Prime, Sentinel I think. Prime. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Cool. Oh no. I'm in. I'm in. And he, the film ends because this is the officially the final one, isn't it? Yeah. The film ends with Indiana Jones on a spaceship going out to the stars. Just floating off like in a panic, like he's he's, he's screwed. No, he's been he's been selected, he's been taken. He's been he's he's flying off to the sky. first star on the left. <laughs> Keep on till morning. He's the yeah. He's too big for this earth. He's too good. He's the new Captain Kirk. And then, oh whoosh. my god! Engage. Well, if that doesn't happen, I'm going to be disappointed. Well, get on the phone to uh, Mangold and tell him. Yeah. Indiana Jones is a stowaway on Apollo 11. Okay. And he is actually the first man on the moon. Wow. And he maybe he, he falls out. Yeah, he falls out. Exactly. funny thing where he falls out the shuttle. Yeah. And then, like, um, what's it? Um, Neil Armstrong is like, hey, what that, are you doing? Right. This is it. This is happening. Okay. Nice. <laughs> I like it. Or he accidentally knock, he knocks out Neil Armstrong or mm. Buzz and puts the suit on and then goes out. Yes. <laughs> to chase. Um, I don't know whoever. What? There's something on the moon. Bulgarians. The moon, the moon is hollow. 
inside is a spaceship. Yep. He gets in the spaceship. He leaves. He leaves. The end. Yeah. Say no. And then he meets a big hairy man. <laughs> I like it. He's very tired. <sighs> good, 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 good. Well, that's beautiful. So concludes Fortnite Schmort Night. Hooray! It's beginning to look a lot like fishmen everywhere I go. From the minute I got to town and started to look around, I thought these ill-bred people's gill slits showed. I'm beginning to hear a lot of fishmen right outside my door. As I try to escape in fright to the moonlit ends with night, I can hear some more. They speak with guttural croaks and to hear them provokes a profound desire to flee. Their eyes never blink and quite frankly they stink like a carcass washed up from the sea. I wish I'd paid attention to that crazy drunken man. He tried to warn me all about Old Marsh's Deep One clan. It's beginning to look a lot like fishmen. Everywhere I go They can dynamite Devil Reef But that'll bring no relief Yohannath Lay is deeper than they know I'll continue to see a lot of fishmen That I guarantee For the fishman I really fear Is the one who's in the mirror And he looks like me he looks just like me. Fighting the frizzies at 11. Now, Rob, you just mentioned that Disney have made some sort of announcement. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely obscene. <laughs> like, I, um, I remember once upon a time where Marvel news would be announced and they'd announce, like, three new films and everyone would be like... Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now? Well... What do you look at? Where do you start? It's absolutely insane, isn't it? Why... How can you get excited about anything when there's just... This is the equivalent of walking into a Blockbuster. Does anyone remember Blockbusters? And just going, you can have all of these. At once! Uh... It's just, ins- I to be honest with you, it makes me feel a bit uneasy. Like, why, why, why so much Disney? And maybe it's the fact that I mean, Netflix is a, a cluster bugger of kind of mediocrity, good and terrible. Yeah, and all sorts of different schmuz. Well, it's true. It's definitely true that the world of streaming is dividing. Yeah, and may- is this Disney's attempt to Disney's attempt to put is- the nail in the coffin? And so you should be following us. They had a meeting one year ago or two years ago or three years ago. And the guy said, right, we know two things that people absolutely love. They love Star Wars and they love Marvel. Yeah. So let's just screw everything else and give them all of the all of the Star Wars and all of the Marvel. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So this year on the 2020 Investor Day, I'm sure you've heard, mm. uh, Disney have made 52 announcements of new projects that are in some way developed. Uh, some of them are trailers. Most of them, it was kind of uh, discussing the concept of it. Yeah. It might be a title reveal. Um, but 
we're going to just work our way through all of them and just give a very brief one word uh, response to what we believe it's going to be like. And okay. we recommend you look it up because, oh my God, something, you'll like something, I'm sure. Okay. All right. Okay. Right. Kicking uh, us off with Marvel. Shall I say a title and then you say the next title, etc., etc.? Uh, How do you want to do it? Let's do that. Okay. WandaVision. Eh. That's my response. What's your response? Oh, I do. I, I see. We're both doing that. Intriguing. I'm intrigued. Yeah, intriguing. It was interesting. We saw the trailer, so we know something about it. The Falcon and the Winter Solider. I think that's supposed to be Soldier. Oh, yes. Uh, don't care. Don't care. No, me neither. Loki. Uh, short series? Meh. Uh, just above, uh, slightly above a meh. Meh? Don't care about Loki. Never cared about Loki. Four. There'll be more four. Hawkeye. Mah. Nah. Nah. I'm a nah for that. Yeah, not fast. Whatever. What if? Oh, sorry. <laughs> what if? An animated series featuring the voice acting cast of many Marvel Cinematic Universe stars. Okay, so is this like, okay, I like this, so what if this situation happened? What if uh, uh, Thanos won, for example? Is oh, like, that's, that's quite it, a fun idea. I like that. Yeah, is it, if that's what that is. If I'm, it's just like a chat show, almost, and they have animated moments. Yeah, that would be really good. Mm, I'd okay. be, yeah, I'll be on that. Okay. okay, this is a combination. There's three in here. Ironheart... Uh, is that Iron Man but a woman? Yes. Because women like love. Yeah, let's call her heart instead of Iron Man fists penis. <laughs> uh, Armor Wars. Yeah. And Secret Invasion. Which will feature Samuel L. Jackson reprising his role as the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Uh, uh, meh to all. Meh to all. I, I th- I'm not even a mayor. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, I don't what, know, what, I don't that know what it is. is. Uh, yeah, don't care. Um, so, Moon Knight, She-Hulk. I don't know. She-Hulk. I'm intrigued by She-Hulk. I'd like to see She-Hulk. Um, I didn't watch the first Captain Marvel. Um, oh, this is Ms. Marvel. Ms. Marvel's different. Oh, okay. Very confusing, but yeah. All right. uh, Ms. Marvel, I believe, is the first Muslim superhero. Awesome. Okay, that's good. And she has hands that grow. Okay, that's pretty cool. I think I, that's I, I, right. Yeah. Right. Um. Yeah. Why not? Um. What we got? Oh, this one's a good one. Okay, I'll let you. What did you say? Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. Yes. With James Gunn back in the lead. Yes. Uh. Yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent. Apparently, James Gunn is a big Star Wars Holiday Special guy, so that's gonna be fun. Also, I'm Groot. Series of short films. Don't care at all. No, me neither. No, 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 no. So Feige confirmed that Black Panther 2 will not recast the late Chadwick Boseman's King Chala. Oh, we, we had that the other week, didn't we? We did. Um, but uh, I, I looked into that a bit earlier. So it's going to be around the world of Wakanda. So it's kind of like, I don't think even there's going to be another Black um, Panther. They haven't said that they're going to crown another Black Panther. I imagine they inevitably I suppose will in the Black Panther film, there were loads of tribes. So you yeah. could follow others. And... and there's still other characters in that universe. So yeah, there's stuff to explore. Okay. A third Ant-Man film, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Mm. Not, no, not really. Evangeline Lily, though. 
Yeah. Kate from Lost. Yeah. Um, didn't care for the second one, so don't really, I'm not really bothered. I feel like his story's ended with Avengers. Yeah. Oh. Tell us the next one. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness! Yes, yes, yes. Will tie into both the upcoming WandaVision and Marvel's third Spider-Man movie. Yep. I like that and I love the title. The Multiverse of Madness! Yeah, it's a very cool title. It's a very 70s. Oh, and a new Fantastic Four movie! Didn't they learn the first two times? You can't make a Fantastic Four movie. It'll suck. It will suck. Don't do it. (laughs) Bring back X-Men, for God's sake. Make it good again. Um, Make X-Men good again. Yes. Maxa. Right, here we go. Here's the real one. Lucasfilm. Right. Okay. Okay. Oh, God, there's so much. Uh, Two new Star Wars TV shows, both spin-offs of The Mandalorian, Rangers of the New Republic... Wait, wait, wait. Spin-offs of The Mandalorian? And Ahsoka. Oh, no one one asked. Well, here's the thing. You haven't seen the latest series of Mandalorian. Rangers of the New Republic might be pretty good. All right, fine. Because that might be even more Western. Okay. And I'm fully on board with that. Um, Ahsoka, no thanks. I don't, I'm sick of Jedi, I don't care. I want, I want Jedi back. We haven't had any good Jedi in ages. I'm sick of them. Hate them. Yeah, but they were lame for the last three years. They've been lame forever. They were cool ones. I want laser guns and aliens. I like laser guns and aliens, but I feel like we need good, like, cool, likeable Jedis back. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but yeah, okay. Um, the, the, the Bad Batch. Yes. This is all going to be alien to you, isn't it? So the Bad Batch is a spin-off of Clone Wars, right. where some clones have gone bad, and now they're like special ops. Okay. And actually, it's pretty cool. All right. Uh, Star Wars Andor. I know what I know. Andor. That's a planet. Uh, no. I know Andor. That's a that's a monkey. I uh, know Andor. That's a star. Andor is Frenchy Spy Man from Rogue One. I know. Oh, is it? Okay. Uh, I was thinking of Endor, right? Yeah. Ah. Well done. See, you. I'm I am good at Star Wars. Uh, can't be asked with that. Don't don't care. I like yeah. the I like the the time that it would be set, but you have another character. Okay. Uh, what's the uh the Acolyte, mm. a new Star Wars series helmed by Russian doll creator uh, Leslie Headland, uh, set in the High Republic era of the franchise, is coming to Disney Plus. Um, I don't know anything about that. Uh, I know it through angry fanboys who don't like women. Into a so, spin. So I'm up for it. Okay. Bring it on. Any, I want some women. Anything to anger the incels, yes. I suppose. Um, okay. This is disgusting. Hayden Christensen returning as Darth Vader in Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, and uh, I guess Obi-Wan Kenobi should be on that list first yeah there's a show called Obi-Wan Kenobi and Hayden Christensen's going to be in it and uh, I think you um, and McGregor I think they arguably I think they could pull off Hayden Christensen coming back uh, but they have to do it right if they're shoving his wonderful handsome face his wonderful handsome yet aged face in scenes or de-aging him I don't want any of that mess his face up I don't understand what it what it is I don't want it I, if it's Tatooine Obi-Wan it should be called Old Ben 
He should be able to bend, yeah. I don't know, maybe it's in the equivalent of, like, I don't know, the 70s. Maybe he's doing lots of cocaine, and <laughs> he's in that weird bar in Crossant or wherever the hell it just, was. Just don't... don't not, no one's ever really gone, I suppose. No, yeah. Uh, a droid story. What do you think of that, Adam? Um, I don't really... I'm Yeah, bring on droids, that's fine. Apart from one sentence in this list, we will feature a new hero. Alongside R2-D2 and C-3PO. A new hero? That is gonna be Poochie. So one of the... Yeah. <laughs> Pooch I. Hey, what's up, dogs? So the big, so the most, one of the most famous double acts in cinema history. And they're shoving in a new, a third one. Do you reckon it'll be that little pointless one from Rise of Skywalker? BB-8? No. Oh, the little... God. I look like a clone from episode one, a little droid from episode one. Just threw up a bit. Um, Star Wars Lando. A new event series. What the hell's that? Cool, it could be good. Um, it, but the thing with this whole Lando thing, is there other ones from the vast list that we've just covered that covers what you would imagine Lando would be? I'm thinking Lando's going to be about his roguish years. Well, why don't... Why is there Andor? So Andor's going to be like Rebel Resistance. And Lando's going to be a swashbuckling smuggler. Yeah. Why can't they be the same? And why yeah. does it have to be either of those characters? Mm. Yeah. And then finally, we've got Star Wars Visions, an anime anthology series. Again, why can't that be all of these? What, like a kind of uh, Matrix? What's that? What was that Matrix? Oh, Animate Animatrix. Animatrix. What if it's an anthology series? Why can't we have just episodes following each of these things? Because money and content. <laughs> Good point. Star Wars movies. All right. Uh, this one uh, caught my eye straight away. Rogue Squadron. Yes, that'd be yes. cool. That sounds that'd be. Rogue Squadron's got a special place in our generation's hearts because it was the only games around, wasn't it? Yeah. Star Wars for a while was just Rogue Squadron. What a game it was! How satisfying to just drift around space shooting naughty men and <laughs> blowing up their ships in half and what have you. I, I don't. Know what the words are for space things, <laughs> and it's directed by Patty Jenkins from Wonder Woman. Oh, very nice. Mm. Train DC. Oh no, this is this is Star Wars, not Marvel. I'm getting confused, Adam. What's... Yeah, so much. Um, Disney have announced that Taika Waititi is directing a film as well, Star Wars film in development. So that's pro- hopefully going to be about four years away. I hope. Uh, yeah. Um, well, with all the might of Disney, it might be less than that. Okay, now so we just. Very quickly reel off yeah, uh, the Disney animation Pixar. Raya and the Last Dragon looks pretty cool, actually. Uh, Baymax series based on Big Hero 6. Awesome. Zootopia Plus. Didn't really care for Zootopia, uh, but people like it, so cool. Tiana, based on Princess and the Frog. Um, It's a movie for little children, so I don't really know. Um, A long-form musical comedy series for Moana. Yeah, I like Moana. Cool. Uh, Enchanto, a new movie set in Colombia. No, no, no. <laughs> Disney haven't done um, gang murders and Smuggling. beheadings, have they? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, say the word Iwaju, an original Uf- long form. Iwaju, an original long form series made in partnership with Kugali Media. 
It's premiering. I don't know what that is. Okay. Uh, Pixar Disney Plus series. Oh, God. I don't know any of these. Smash Throw. There's one about the dog from Up. Uh, Yeah. Lightning McQueen. Cars. Win or lose. Blah. Uh, uh, Pixar movies. Uh, Luca. A boy about a boy called Luca. Massive one. Lightyear. An origin story for Buzz Lightyear, who will be voiced by Chris Evans, as if he was a real, you know, thing. Do you get it? Buzz Lightyear, if he was a real thing. Or if it's a film set in a Toy Story universe, whatever. This is coming out. It's really cool. Turning red. A 13-year-old girl transforms into a giant red panda when she gets excited. What? Dunno. Moving on. Oh, this is a cool one. Alien. Alien. Alien TV series developed from FX and Hulu. And it doesn't say Ridley Scott anywhere. (laughs) Noah Hawley, showrunner of Fargo and Legion, making a new series based on Alien set on Earth. Mm. As long as you don't turn into Starship Troopers and have hordes of aliens. Or Alien vs. Predator 2. Will Smith and Chris Hemsworth, starring in the series of National Geographic. Ice Age is getting a spin-off. Oh, God. Uh, Disney Plus in price include... Oh, my God. Yeah, Disney's increasing its price, everybody, just to make you aware. Uh, Disney got a new bundle with Hulu, Disney Plus, and ESPN. Um, uh, Oh, 86 million subscribers... Uh, oh my god, there's too much. There's too much. Don't, uh, don't, don't give Disney your money. Steal your accounts. Share accounts to friends to stop giving Disney don't money. Don't listen to him. Stop don't give, listen to him. Stop giving Disney money. They're no, gonna... Mickey, don't hurt him. They're, mo- they're going to monopolize. <laughs> they're, mo- they're monopolizing cinema. Now, they're monopolizing bro. cinema. They're partly responsible to the death of cinema. Kill them all. I'm going to shoot you in your no, face. No, no. Uh-huh. Screw you, Disney. Nick's Games Roundup, coming to you almost a week late from the Game Awards. In a night where The Last of Us Part 2 predictably won every major award, we were also treated to a considerable number of announcements on new releases due out in the next few years. With the steady fall of E3 over the last five years, Jeff Keighley has slowly established his Game Awards show as the Super Bowl of video games. With the biggest upcoming releases trailed or announced, from Death Stranding to the Xbox Series X, there have been some really big bombshells dropped by Keeley and his team, and in a year where E3 didn't even show up, we were all expecting something big. And that something big came in the form of three or four significant new games. Starting with arguably the biggest reveal of the night, we finally got to see what Microsoft's new quadruple A studio, The Initiative, have been working on. Something that has been rumoured for almost a year now, the return of Perfect Dark. This is a studio that has headhunted some of the biggest talent in the games industry, bringing in developers that have worked on Uncharted and The Last of Us, Ratchet and Clank and Spider-Man, God of War, Call of Duty, Destiny and even Shadow of the Tomb Raider. This game was always going to be a big heavy hitter, and to find out it's going to be a brand new Perfect Dark game, it has me more excited than any upcoming next-gen title. But we've still got a few years to wait though. Speaking of games we will be waiting for, we are also treated to teases from the next Dragon Age and Mass Effect games. I don't know much about Dragon Age, but apparently someone called Solus is returning, whoever that is, but Mass Effect I know a lot more about, and to see Liara and what appears to be Commander Shepard's armour gave me the giggles. Knowing that we were returning to the storyline of the original trilogy is exciting. The fact that both these games have recently lost the creative directors that have made them what they were, and the fact Bioware have made some truly terrible games recently, 
That does, however, fill me with a little dread. But we'll be waiting until 2022 at the earliest to see whether they return to their former glory or not. One last big hitter announcement did come in the form of none other than Evil Dead The Game, an online co-op that appears to be something akin to Friday the 13th The Game, a 4v1 survival game pitting demon against human. Players either Ash or a variety of different companions from throughout the entire Evil Dead series. I can't stress enough how much this game excites me. Just remember to play smart. Play yes smart. There was also a bunch of other announcements to whet our appetites for the upcoming generation, with Back for Blood revealed from some of the team behind Left for Dead, medieval multiplayer Hood Outlaws and Legends, the Callisto Protocol from Dead Space creator Glenn Schofield, and more trailers for Warhammer 40k Darktide, Endless Dungeon, Crimson Desert and Outriders. And of course, the most exciting announcement, the Swedish chef will be a playable character in Overcooked. After an event like that, E3 have to be concerned that their position and worth in the industry has just taken a heavy and costly hit. But for now, back to Adam and Rob. What do you want? What do you want? What are you doing? When it came to holiday spirit... The who's here? It's Santa. I'm on my lunch break, okay? Willie's never had it. It's not real. Well, it was real. I got sick and all the hair fell out. How'd you get sick? I loved a woman that wasn't clean. Mrs. Santa? No, it was her sister. Oh, no. But he's gonna get it. You're that kid. Where's your sleigh? It's in the shop. Where's the reindeer? I stable them. Where's the stable? Next to the shop. How do they sleep? Are you messing with me? There's something about the guy that makes me uneasy. Maybe there's something I could fire him for. A man is a sexual being. Yeah. Now, a hopeless kid. Wedgie. And a Santa nobody liked. Are teaching each other a lesson. Is that your underwear? Part of it. Where's the rest of it? Actually, I don't want to know. On November 21st, put your dukes up. You're going to learn to stand up for yourself. Oh, no. Scream at him. Ah! He is pathetic. Scream! Be loud! Ah! You don't hit enough. What's wrong with you? He's just a kid. I told you I didn't want to do this. Huh? Good. This holiday season, the naughtiest guy in town just might discover he's a really sweet kid isn't he yeah i guess so how to be nice good night santa good night mrs santa's sister billy bob thornton so do you like kids what do you think i'm some kind of pervert or something i just mean because you're santa claus huh bernie mac Get him out of here. What do you mean, get him out of here? I'm a dwarf. So unless you got a forklift handy, maybe you should lend a hand, hmm? Got some lip on you, Mitchell. Yeah? Well, these lips were on your wife last night. Tony Cox. Bad Santa. I beat up some kids today, but it was for a purpose. It made me feel good about myself. You need many years of therapy. So, Christmas time. Christmas cheer! We've waffled on about Disney and all sorts today, but we haven't included any Christmas. So... The Christmas film. Yes, the first of two Christmas films this December. It was your choice. My choice. What did you pick? I picked 2003's Bad Santa, which you have not seen. I have not seen it because I just couldn't be bothered. It never really crossed my path. No, um, it's it's um, directed by Terry Zweigoff, 
um, who hasn't done much. Um, just looking up the guy now. He's a strange-looking man. Um, was this his one film? Was this his, uh, his any, MO? If anyone's seen Louis Bluey, Crumb, Ghost World, Art School Confidential, or Budding Prospects. Is that one film? Yep. <clears throat> Louis Bluey. Louis Bluey, Ghost World, Art <laughs> Budding Prospects. <clears throat> so, um, Bad Santa stars Billy Bob Thornton as um, a kind of drunken, um, sorry state of a man who is also a very talented safe breaker. Yeah, Willie is his name. He He's fallen into this partnership with more of a criminal mastermind, I suppose. His dwarf assistant, uh, Marcus. Yes, played by Tony Cox. Um, so their kind of method of... They, they dress up as a Santa and Elf. They get um, They lure these um, people who run shopping malls into a full sense of security. Then Tony Cox, who is a dwarf, he uses his height to dis- uh, disable the alarms so uh, Billy Bob Thornton's Willie can come back in and then crack the safe. And Billy Bob Thornton's Willie. Billy Bob Thornton's... <laughs> <laughs> Willie! His Willie comes back his in His Willie comes back in before he does. He comes in through the letterbox. He comes in through the letterbox and says hello. Yeah, this is the... Um, this is the anti-miracle on 34th street yeah in well in theory because actually the plot isn't much different no it's the not film, the film spends a lot of time setting up that everyone's horrible mm. um not only is he willie an alcoholic he's also um a thug he's quite aggressive he sort of has no control over his life around him he um he's got all he kind of is capable of doing is to carry on. Like he'll once a year they rob a store, they get enough money to do it the next to, to last until another year. He drinks himself into oblivion. At the start of the film, he's narrating and he kind of tells us that if I'd known I was going to have to put up with a bunch of screaming brats pissing on my lap for thirty days out of the year, I would have killed myself a long time ago. Come to think of it, I still might. And he doesn't have anything to live for. Um, and the, I mean, they, they rob a store successfully. He says he's going to give up the drinking. He's going to go down to, to Miami. He's going to open a new bar. He's going to start his new life. And then what happens? We, we go down to Miami. We see him living his new life. He's chopping lemons on a lovely looking bar on the beach. And then the bar, the bar owner comes along and um, tells him to leave quite abusively. Yes. And... Um, a big like drink glass throwing fight starts and he legs it off. <laughs> then he goes to, uh, then you start to sort of see his character. He's quite uh, sex mad. Uh, he sits down, has a cigarette and he just watches um, attractive women playing beach ball. Yeah. And he's got, he's, he, uh, he hangs around with local prostitutes. He's well known in the community, wherever he is. Mm. Um, he's, it's hard to pin him down because he's not, a criminal mastermind. No. He doesn't even try to be. He's literally just tagging along. Yeah. Um, are you supposed to feel sorry for him? Oh, definitely. Definitely without question. Because um, he's he's very likeable. Like, I I really do like him. Like, I, I know, like, everything bad he does is kind of adorable in a weird way. And I don't know if it's just because... <laughs> Because you see him getting beaten up, and you see him drinking, you see him grumbling about stuff. Um, 
I know, he just it, gets away with it, as I far as the audience does, is concerned. It does set it up by saying that he was essentially abused by his dad. Yeah. Not, he, not in any sexual way, but he was verbally assaulted and yeah. it told to put his bootstraps up and get on with it. And If he came back from school saying he'd been bullied, his dad would beat the living daylights out of him yeah. and say, be more of a man. So he's, yeah, so he's, he's in this thing. And is that enough to feel sympathy? Probably. Um, I, it's a, I don't it, know. So you know what? I don't really feel sympathy for him per se. I just enjoy him, and I like I like him, and I enjoy it. Okay, he's um from when he's at the bar to when he goes out and he's sick and he gets himself into weird situations. There's a man who's struggling with his um, sexual identity, I think, at one point, and um, confronts him in a car parking lot and says, "I'm not gay," and then attacks him. And he's like, "What are you talking about? I don't, I, who are you?" So he, these random bad occurrences happen to him, and all he can do—he doesn't really fight well. He just tells him to go away. Gets attacked again, and you know, yeah, bad things happen to him, and he just drinks his way through it, steals, and does what he just just keeps on existing. And he's yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, fair enough. Um, so yeah, so the story really kicks off. So th- these two guys—they—they—they they, they will rob a safe in a department store. Go on the run for a year and then meet up again in a new town. So when we, uh, after we've seen Willie's experience in Miami, they go to Phoenix, Arizona, which <laughs> appears to be twinned with hell. This is the but this is what I love the most <laughs> about this film. It's it's penned as a Christmas film. They're not going to I don't know Colorado or yeah, somewhere where there's yeah. snowy mountains. They're going to like these roasting <laughs> awful. <laughs> It's like watching Willie in full Santa outfit walking through a car park with like heat haze. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a, that's such a beautiful shot. Um, it's got Tony next to him. He's smoking a cigarette and he's got a bottle of whiskey in his hand. She then launches at a car and smashes the window. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they, yeah. <laughs> they managed to talk their way into the, the Christmas job somehow. Yeah. Uh, and the, 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 the manager's sort of a bit of a a wet fish. Yeah. And so it sort of says yes. But then he goes and just gives a little warning to the security chief in the mall, played by Bernie Mac, who might be one of my favourite sort of comedians of that era. Hey, like, there's a couple of... There's a few lines he has in this film, which are gold. His, his, his whole character it's, is amazing. It's, it's, there's this whole... Uh, like, it doesn't even mention it, but he's got a constipation issue because he's eating oranges and then he's stirring stool yeah, softener. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's the thing. He just sits... So he's, he's dressed in a sort of um, cowboy outfit. Like an oil the, baron yeah, sort of and thing. And there's even a cowboy hat in the background. Um, just sitting there eating oranges constantly, smoking um, beneath the no-smoking sign. And then, yeah... Really, obviously, taking uh, laxatives while he while he's talking to people, and he's just such a weird guy. <laughs> he's, uh, and I just I wanted to see more of him, to be honest, because he's just this constant. He's doing his own thing. He's so funny, and all we do is dip into what he's doing in his day. As a as a as a he's a security guy, and at one point he um he catches a kid stealing Xbox games, and. Uh, takes his mp3 player off him <laughs> sends him on his way and just robs him and he's very like um he doesn't i don't know if it's because he's pegging on he kind of wants in on the deal but he uh he doesn't seem to care that um willie does things like he has sex with women in the big and tall department he, well, he dismisses he, it doesn't he yeah he admires it he says i wouldn't want to stop it <laughs> um so he, that yeah that's something you bring up willie has a lot of vices yeah 
One of which, so drinking, whoring. Yeah. Um, he I mean, he's not particularly aggressive, but he does he has does end up in fights and stuff. But he's also frequently told we're also frequently told that he has sex with larger women. Yeah. And yet, we never see that. The only large woman is um, the prostitute who uh, who warns ha- him about the person searching his room. Yeah, who there was some historical thing that we, is before the film. Yeah. So he meets a bar woman called Sue, uh, played by Lauren Graham, who uh, is not a large woman. No, no, she's <laughs> a perfect woman. She's she's lovely. She's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Um, she's the only reason why Gilmore Girls is worth watching. That seems weird. And he meets this girl, and she's um, she's a party girl herself. She starts drinking and going out. And stuff. She has a Santa fixation. Yeah, kind of so gets him laid very quickly. They're having sex in the in a rusty old car that he calls his own. Um, but why why set up his large women thing and never? There's, I think part of his vulnerability as well there's a couple of bits in the film which kind of references to him maybe being a bit fragile with his own masculinity when he walks into the store he mistakes a very innocent comment that um the the store manager says as saying that there's something wrong with his gear as in his oh yeah he takes it to mean his yeah yeah he's he's constantly uh like a lot of it's sex orientated and i'd like yeah, he's a bit of a... I wouldn't say deviant, he's just a bit of an old perv, isn't he? Well, yeah, and he, he's sort of checking out women all the time and stuff. But why... You can do two things. You either set him up that he has a big fetish for big women. Mm. And then play off it. Oh, I think... Or yeah, you don't mention it and just let him go off with women. Because even the women he checks out aren't big. I think maybe it's a different time. So in 2003, they were probably a bit more kind of insulting with how uh they would uh use fat women as humor so maybe they were just implying back in 2003 he's just a wild animal he just does things like shag overweight women in a in a yeah it just feels like kind of a 2003 thing to do it feels like a weird thing to do what why not just make sue large yeah yeah but octavia spencer is the is the prostitute he warns him about the person in his room make her the love interest (laughs) love interest yeah, I don't know. That's really odd. Mm. It's almost like I. It's almost like, and it, this ties in with something else as well. Um, they set up this character, but then they kind of what either told or they lost their nerve and went for a more classical, attractive woman. Yeah, maybe. Um, she's be- written into it for like um, I don't know. Because it's interesting that because uh, so. The secret behind Bad Santa is that the Coen brothers were quite heavily invested in the creation of it. Yeah. They're down as executive producers, but they actually thought of the concept. Yeah. Um, so it's all their idea. Um, and they weren't happy with a lot of the casting. Apparently, um, well, at first they wanted Bill Murray to be Willie, which would have been amazing. But a different film. A different film, yeah. yeah. Jack Nicholson as well um, was up for it. Um but they wanted... They really didn't like uh, Cox. They wanted a more... I don't know. I don't know. It's really hard to... I assume they probably wanted a more, like, greasy gangster guy. Right. Rather than uh, Tony Cox, who play, plays the character more like... Um, it's, hard, it's really hard to 
describe him really. Maybe that's the problem. He's a grumpy. He he plays it straight. He is trying to keep them on the straight and narrow, and um, he's constantly getting frustrated by um, I, like Willie's kind of bad behaviour. Yeah, he's, I guess he's so. Desperately yeah. trying to not have their cover blown by him, and I think. I, I can definitely see why they landed with um, Tony Cox in that respect. Well, apparently the uh, the director pushed for t- to keep Tony. Oh, he pushed to keep him because they hated him. They abs- they outright hated him. Why? Um, it, it doesn't actually say on here. But they also didn't like the kid. And we haven't mentioned the kid yet. Um, they wanted so the Coen Brothers who envisioned this whole story. Oh. They wanted a Disney kid. They wanted a cutesy. Oh, I ima- it... I, do you know what I'm imagining? I'm imagining the kids in Despicable Me. Uh, I was imagining the kid in like uh, Jingle All the Way, like that kind of kid, like the disappointed. Could be, yeah. Um, but they ended up casting because the director found them funny. Was the end of the day was the reason he ended up casting uh, Brett Kelly as Furman Merman, who is an enigma. So Willie spends most of his time as Santa in a mall. Taking requests from horrible children. He hates every second of it. That's a lot of the humour. Then this kid appears. I said next, goddammit. This is not the DMV, alright? Move it along. What's your name? You can tell me. I know. How about Santa? If you don't tell him, you won't get a present. That's right. Come on and tell Santa all about it. What do you want? Well, come on, what do you want? A snot rag? Marcus, get this kid off me before he pisses on me, all right? With my beard. It's not real. Well, it was real, but you see, I got sick and all the hair fell out, so I had to work and thing. How'd you get sick? I loved a woman who wasn't clean. Mrs. Santa? No, it was her sister. What's it like at the North Pole? Like the suburbs. Which one? Apache Junction. Marcus, get this kid out of here. He's freaking me. The thing, with, the great thing about Furman Merman is, um, I, I, I mean, sure, he gets sneezed on, and there are other annoying kids. But Furman Merman is, I, I, from his eyes, you would imagine the most annoying and the most gross as all. He comes up to him. He comes up to him. Sorry, he's got a snotty nose. He doesn't seem like he's all there. He's asking really annoying questions one after the other, and you're thinking, like, how is this the kid? that he's going to strike up a bond with. And yeah, he yeah. does. And it's quite, it's very endearing to see. Well, it's very quickly, because Willie's very dismissive with children. He's literally throwing them off his knee. <laughs> um, but when Willie arrives, he, he perches on his knee and he starts asking all these questions. And he's like, what? What's wrong like, with you? Willie actually takes a second and he goes, what are you <laughs> talking about? And so immediately there, there, there is a bond. Um, and later on when... when the, the kid and Furman's very intrigued himself. Yeah, because he, he he appears to believe that he is real Santa, and he keeps asking him, "Why is your beard fake?" Mm. No, because I've been ill. Okay, what? Where's your? You know, why are you so skinny? Because I've been ill. Where's That's your reindeer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so he appears to believe ill, and he he follows Willie. Yeah, he catches he Willie. <laughs> A very strange bit. When he gets attacked after meeting uh, Sue, when he gets attacked after meeting Sue by a mental guy, 
yeah, with, who, the, with the gay issue. Who presumably was attacked physically by a Santa once? It's what? a bit of a dark. <laughs> it's really weird. He's physically abused by a Santa and so takes it out on Willie, who's still just a Santa. And um, Furman helps get rid of him. So Willie goes back. Willie promises to drop Furman off at his house and learns that it's empty. Yeah, and then um, he, yeah, he, he walks inside and he's like, where's your dad? His dad's obviously in prison. Yeah, his mum's dead. Going mountain hiking. Um, and he only lives with a grandma who's completely and utterly senile. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, to the extent that he walks in with balaclava and she offers to make him sandwiches. <laughs> um, yeah, he, might, he really quickly make That's probably the darkest thing he does. He finds out that she's not all there. So the first thing he does is pull out a blackjack and put a balaclava on. He's going to rob the place. There's um, there's a very like really endearing bit where you the first time you tell, maybe not the first time, but one of the first times you tell that oh my god, like Willie loves this kid is when he's he admits that um, Santa he knows Santa isn't real, and then he kind of sheds like he just he just does it for this reason, he, and he's feeling really sorry for himself, and. Willie completely and utterly flips out. He throws something across the room. He's like, why the hell do you keep talking to yourself about that? Oh, he calls himself an idiot, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And it well, drives I, him so angry because so, he cares about this kid. I think despite that's... Despite himself. I think it's already been built up a little bit by them. Because, yeah, Willie moves in eventually uh, for various reasons. Um, and so becomes this sort of semi-guardian of this kid. Mm. And he finds out that the kid gets bullied. So he ends up beating up the kids who bullied him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is the breaking point. I mean, this is the bit where it all comes out, I think, for me. This is this bit. Well, that's of... right at the end, though. No, no. Like, um, the bit, because it's him completely snapping because he's seeing how hurt this kid is and how, how much suffering. It's the, it's the first outburst of emotion that is actually, this is because I care about you, is what I'm trying to say. But that's right at the end. Because before then, you've got the advent calendar. He feels bad about... Ripping up the yeah, I'm talking though. about the outburst. This is the first. Oh yes, come on! This oh, okay. an enjoyable kind of like real. We, well, it's saying, a visceral moment, right? Okay, because before then we've got a slow build up. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. Um, where he's starting to care about him. Where he's he realizes there's one bit when Thurman's very happy with his advent calendar, and while in a drunken stupor, where he just trashes it and eats all the chocolate, and then goes to get a new one, mm. and that's this slow like you know, what. That's the first. I think that's the first time he makes any emotional connection. I think. Yeah. Because that's the first time he sees himself doing wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think sure. part part of it is that Sue, who's always there at this point, the real love interest, um, especially how much she loves kids. Yeah, and, and finds what he does adorable all the time, and yeah, it kind of rubs off on him. Now, I've got an issue with Bad Santa. What's that? There's a lot of stuff going on, and none of it really feels connected. Because uh. there's all this stuff. There's there's on on the surface. There's two stories. There's the the heist, yeah, and all the sort of um, scheming around that, including with Bernie Sanders' character. And then you've got the the classic Christmas tale of bad man learns to love again. Hmm. But they feel very disjointed for me. They don't really connect. Yeah. And, and there's lots of like moments, almost sketch-like moments, where something will happen and it's it's played for laughs and then it never comes back again. Yeah, I think I see what you mean. It's, um, there's a lot of little mini things. It's, 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 there's chapters to it in a way. There's a lot of... Uh... 
I don't know, it's separated into very small events rather than like three discernible acts, you might say. Yeah. Um, so in that respect, yeah, maybe it's... Um... So, but, but that sort of, it, it would take me out of it because I was trying to work out where, why that happened and where it came from. Yeah. Like, the, especially the one, I mean, it's not, I don't really know. There's a kind of point for it. when So he gets caught sleeping with a woman in the large women's fitting room, which boggles the mind that even exists. Um, but there's that, he didn't, there was no like lead up to that. It just happened. And the only consequence of that is that the manager told Bernie Mac about it. Hmm. Yeah. That just felt like it was in there. Yeah, I guess maybe you could see it as uh, it's um, showing the Burning Match clued up about them. I mean, he's yeah, I think, a picture yeah, of them. Yeah, possibly, yeah. And he's he dismissed it, didn't he? So clearly he didn't want to get rid of the guy. No. Um, yeah. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm left a bit... Ah, but, however... Um, this is probably a good place to um, come close to rounding up. It did present something which has actually given us a whole new Hall of Fame. And that Hall <laughs> of Fame is the Pot Smash Hall of Fame. We can confirm, ladies and gentlemen, that Bad Santa has won Pot Smash. And here is that Pot Smash. <laughs> so, yes, there's a new good. category of film that we're going to focus on for 2021. Is films that have pot smashes. Yes. It's a very important category. <laughs> arguably more in, uh, important than any other category. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, to conclude on Bad Santa, I felt a bit co- left cold by it a little bit. I absolutely love it. I, I really do. I think it's very, very funny. Um, and um, heartwarming. I, I, I think Billy Bob Vaughn absolutely smashes it in it. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. But I just feel like it. at the end of the day, it just does the same Christmas story. Mm. it's a nice Christmas story what's wrong with that yeah I just it wasn't what I expected that's all I expected it to be a bit more home alone but from the bad guy perspective kind of thing right so less smulchy more get in your way with high jinks okay okay but in the end it it kind of was man learns to love yeah Lovely. Love it. Adam's not-so-festive film review. Ava, 2020. Monsieur Hamilton? Like what you see? Peter, why would someone not want you to be alive anymore? What are you talking about? Code 8227. Confirmed. Subject's closed. I know you like Ava. But she's a liability. No, not her. She's best to breathe. I recruited her. I trained her. She's talking to the targets! Ava. I'm good. I promise you. Keep your head down, kiddo. Management will be watching on this one. You did something bad. I wouldn't have sent me if you had. Who was responsible? company had nothing to do with it. You don't believe that, Duke. You keep breaking protocol. I asked you to marry me, and then you just disappear for eight years. 
She's always been Duke's favorite, but she's a loose cannon and a danger to the organization. I want her killed. Written by Matthew Newton and directed by Tate Taylor, Ava is an action thriller starring Jessica Chastain as the eponymous Ava, an assassin in the employ of a shadowy bunch of people we never really get a chance to understand. And as of writing, it's the most viewed film on Netflix, proving once and for all what a terrible year it's been. Introducing Ava, an assassin with a troubled past, who's starting to have doubts over her work. Through dialogue, we understand that this isn't the first time, but despite her incessant need to question and doubt what her superiors tell her, Ava's talent and ability is enough to keep her employed by the mysterious agency above her. Specifically, she has a nasty habit of asking her targets what it is they did to deserve death. Naturally, as per her first target somewhere outside Paris, they don't really have an answer. I guess they have more important things to worry about. But despite her innate success, Ava's world starts to go topsy-turvy when she's sent on a mission to Riyadh to take out a German general. When things go badly wrong thanks to some dummy intel, Ava confronts her supervisor and mentor, Duke, played by John Malkovich. Duke apologises, blaming a typo on the intel that almost got her killed, and grants Ava some time off to recover. For the first time in eight years, Ava chooses to return to her hometown of Boston, where she meets with her sister Judy, played by Jess Wexler, her now husband Michael, played by someone whose name is apparently common, and their heartless mother Bobby, played by Gina Davis. See, when Ava left, things weren't going that well. There's a whole backstory with Michael and gambling and drug addiction and alcohol abuse, leaving everyone a little uncomfortable to see Ava just swan back in again. Particularly her mum, who just doesn't give Ava the time of day. Yeah, I hadn't begged on this action thriller becoming a family drama either. As Ava tries to patch up the holes she created when she left the family, Duke investigates his own boss, Simon, played by Colin Farrell, to try and work out what caused the dodgy intel that almost saw Ava get killed in action. By the end, things start to get personal, leaving Ava bloodied and beaten, wondering if there's any one thing she could do to make the world a bit better. I have to be honest, Ava got real boring real fast. A cliche in every sense of the word, Ava presents a world of covert actions and assassination with a troubled alcoholic spy. If the advertising is anything to go by, it was probably meant to be fairly sexy too. It's not. Ava wants to be deep and wants to tell a story about spies versus family, but it just feels unearned. Jessica Chastain, while good enough, lacks the star power to really hold the story together. Without the likes of Charlie's Theron in Atomic Blonde or Jennifer Lawrence in Red Sparrow or any of the hundreds of other similar films, Chastain just doesn't leap off the screen. There are a handful of decent fight scenes, some of which have a vague sense of realism, but it's nothing we haven't seen before. Speaking of, Simon's plot against Ava in general feels like a boring version of Matt Lucas in Polar or even the plot against Colin Farrell in In Bruges. I do hate to make these comparisons, but the sad fact is the film feels so derivative of the genre, it's hard not to compare. That said, the film isn't awful, it's just kind of there. Credit where it's due, Bear McCreary's soundtrack tries its best to pull emotion out of the scene, and does complement the action impressively well. In all honesty, Ava's fine. It's forgettable, but it gets in and gets out before you really start to hate it. 
To tell you the truth, Ava would work as an affordable weeknight distraction as a television series more than a film. A sort of alias meets Hannah. If you want to see it for yourself, check it out on Netflix, but personally, I'd just watch Polar again. I love that film. Put security around my family on high alert. And that is the show. <sighs> Not too festive. That'll come next time. There's yeah. so, so much to talk about. It's too much. They, they really spoiled us. Now, the thing is, there is one other thing before we go. Yeah, we've got we to gotta talk about it. You may have heard that um, cinema's going to be a weird industry coming up in the future. Yeah. Potentially um, the end of everything we know. Yeah, this could be the start of um, of the end of your local cinema, and it really could. That's no exaggeration. It really could. The whole, literally, the whole industry is viable to change. Yeah, if this causes the snowball effect that we expect, big change doesn't happen all at once. These little movements happen, and then before you know it, everything's changed. And yeah. uh, we are, of course, talking about. Um, Warner Brothers' decision to uh, join, have streaming as well as cinematic releases at the same time of all 17 of their movies uh, this this next year, 2021. Yeah, which of course means that given the choice of, especially in America, given the choice of going to the cinema or staying at home and watching something from the comfort of your living room, what's going to win? You're, I mean, if you... If it's, I mean, if you're paying extra for each individual movie, is it the fact that if you paid for the subscription, you just get to watch it? I yeah, mean, I believe so. Well, my, well, maybe the big uh, ones. You have hopefully, to pay, but... I've, uh, you'd have thought so. But it'll still be cheaper than a cinema it's, ticket. It's still be cheaper than a cinema ticket. You think I can't be bothered to go to the cinema? I can watch. I mean, we're talking about Godzilla versus King Kong, uh, The Matrix Four, which is uh, like regardless of what, what you think about it, that's massive. And June. Yeah. Which is slated to be one of the biggest films ever. It's been worked on over so many years by some of the most talented people out there. Yeah. Denis Villeneuve has kicked off about it. But what's the actual wording from... What's the actual announcement? Okay, so this is from uh, Jason Killard, um, CEO of Warner Media. We're living in unprecedented times which call for creative solutions. After considering all available options and the projected state of movie going throughout 2021, we came to the conclusion that this was the best way for Warner Media's motion picture business to navigate the next 12 months. Yeah, so mm. in theory, if it's just over the next year and it's not a permanent solution, interesting. But it's not just going to be a temporary solution. Absolutely not, no. Um, AMC Entertainment Holdings, who are the biggest cinema chain company um I should say it properly. The world's largest movie theatre operator um, in the UK, that's Odeon. Uh, they're running out of money. Mm. They are in desperate situation. Um, the loss of some of the biggest films of the year isn't going to help. No. Um, if anything, this might mean that we lose all multiplexes and instead just have little art house cinemas. Yeah. Not the worst thing. But this is a big change. Imagine watching... Avengers in a small screen. Imagine, yeah, it just comes out. And, All right, I'll, put, I'll stick it on my television. Obviously, I'm not if you're an Avengers fan, but imagine, you know, these are films that 
are made, like you said earlier, made for the cinema. Like, um, oh, well, imagine watching Mad Max Fury Road on the small screen the first time. That's yeah, not. That is a, like a mesmerizing, jaw dropping movie that is, you know, again, built, built for cinema. The um, people aren't happy about it, though. The Lots of people in Hollywood are not happy with it. Um, uh, yeah, so Directors Guild of America, CAA, all of them are not happy and are vocally complaining um, about this unprecedented move. Uh, Dennis Villeneuve's quote, so he says... Again? Dennis Villeneuve. Denis. Denis Villeneuve. Uh, he said... June is by far the best movie I've ever made. My team and I devoted more than three years of our lives to make it a unique, big experience. Our movie's image and sound were meticulously designed to be seen in theatres. Um, so you're talking about, you know, this is stuff that people poured pour out. You know, you can it's, it, it can come across a bit smug, obviously. It's like, oh, yeah, whatever. You know, we can watch films on the TV. Of course you can argue. What if I want to stay at home and watch it in, in my room? But the, the fact of the matter is, if this is... If it works, which it will, if people stream and they don't go to the cinema, then they're only going to be tempted to do it more. This is what happens in sport when um, they'll move over to pay-per-view. You know, like they, they tried to do it this year. They tried to make you able to pay for individual matches online which aren't showing elsewhere. And if that gets more and more popular, A, they can charge more. B, they'll start doing it with more matches. And C, you're, you know, it's the slow, slow power shift so they can make more money from you. And they don't care about cinemas. Because at the end of the day, they've got to appease their shareholders. They've got to put money in their pockets. So cinemas are now a middleman to our eyes. And if they can get rid of the middleman, yeah. then... The, the weird thing is, the, the really bizarre and frightening thing is, on social media, on Twitter, there is a disturbing amount of support for it. <sighs> because a lot of the people who are film fans, who, who make a big effort about how they present these things will likely have invested in massive TVs, 4K, resolution, sound, surround sound, all this stuff. The fact is, not everyone has that. No. And while it's all well and good that all these people are saying, oh, well, I'd rather not have the sticky floors of the cinema, I'll never have to be home with that man talking. The fact is, cinema is a shared experience that you can't, justify making it suddenly what are the teenagers gonna do for dates the only time the cinema is full that i see um is for horror movies and marvel films yeah and even then horror movies tips it because groups of people go to see it dates go to see it it's also quite a young audience lots of teenagers it's a it's it's the one thing that always makes me feel good about the horror genre it's the only one that's going to survive because it's the one people go to. There's something warm and fuzzy about sharing an experience with a room full of strangers and then walking out and speaking speaking to them, as corny as that sounds. Um, Can you imagine watching all of the Marvel Avengers films in your room and then coming out to talk about it? No. Rather than going with a group. And I think I'd get bored. I I would get bored of them. I don't don't know. People People would sit on their phones. Because there's nothing stopping them from... And you're not seeing them in all their glory. Um, They're saying Lord of the Rings, the 4K I just watched, was, um, I think it's 60% as close... or like No, it's 95 I can't remember what the percentage was. Some stupid percent as close to what you saw on the cinema screens in terms of like the detail and mm. that initial experience. And I would always... If there's films as good as that, 
I'll always want to see them in their full glory. I yeah. don't want to see, like, like you say, I don't want to see them on a freaking TV screen. So, yeah, I, I think people, I don't know what's going to happen in the UK. Obviously, this is just HBO Max, but um, we, we urge you, if you, if you can, when COVID restrictions lighten up, go to the cinema whenever you can. Buy your your your, um, your membership cards and, and etc. and support your cinemas because yeah, this could be the end. Local uh, and major. I mean, there's no there's no line now. No, they're you all under threat. Yeah. Um, the only possible few, potential thing that could save that world, I reckon. Thinking about it, just thinking about it now, music. Right now. A new album comes out. Mm. You get it. You buy it, you stream it, whatever. You can hear it whenever you want. You can hear it at home. But you'll still go to the gig. Yeah. And spend a little bit more money. Mm. Go to the gig to watch it performed. True, true. So, is there a potential future world where you watch the whatever films you want, but then you know that next week... The giant mega IMAX is showing it. Yeah. And you spend a little bit more money and you go. Yeah. And they could, yeah, you go, I, I think, yeah, there's a potential for that. You could switch people's kind of uh, process of filmmaking around. You could reverse it, couldn't you? You can make IMAX, like, IMAX right now is, is the, you know, the, the, the top gold boy winner of, of watching films. Imagine it being bigger and so you spend 30 quid. Because people won't pay the money and they won't be bothered because they've got it already. The, for the general audience. Film fans will. And film fans will spend more money to do it. Do you think? Potentially. Yeah, I think they would do it as a one-off. I don't, th- I don't think they'd be going once a month. I don't know. Well, I suppose that... Mm. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I mean, you know, if you've already got the album, why would you go see the band perform live? Oh, because it's ten times better. Same thing. Same argument. But you can't persuade the UK audience that because that because because this is a new culture, isn't it? Now this is this is the culture of instant access of streaming. Mm. But I don't think it's any different to music. Although, although I suppose music might be different. Music is you're seeing your favorite yeah. band in the flesh, and it sounds incredible, and you've got speakers everywhere, and you're well. See, that's that's the main thing I think it would work because sound. There's no way you're going to get an IMAX quality sound in your bedroom. But you can't get absolutely battered in a cinema and dance around. Mm. And you get kicked out. Well, that's one That's one element of gigging. I know there's lots of people who... It's more for the performance. But, right. of course, the performance can be different. True, yeah. Know. You can make it part of a night. I go to the cinema and then go to a club. Secret yeah. cinema. Maybe that's the future. Yeah. Where you dress... It's a whole thing. You dress up and you go somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. We might be on the cusp of the death of cinema, is what yeah. we're saying. It's going to put us out of a hobby, podcasting. We'll just talk about streaming. Yeah, and as someone who made cinema, I've missed cinema more than anything else during COVID. It's, yeah. It was my at least once a week thing I did, and that's gone. Yeah. It might be gone. The last film I saw in the cinema might be Onward. Oh no! Which was a good film, but I don't want it to be the last one no. ever. <laughs> anyway, so with that horrible news, uh, enjoy the rest of your December. We'll be back just after Christmas 
with some gifts and festive joy and all that. Joy, nonsense. booze, classic, classic, classic of all classic movies, and good old festive cheer. Yeah. That's next fortnight. Until then, if you do like what you hear, do consider backing us on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Media, and do drop us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Media too. Yes. All right. Cool. Without further ado, let's go and drink Baileys. Yes. Keep chewing the mistletoe. Mmm.